Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here uh, across the United States of America. I hope wherever you are on the Fruited Plain, you're doing well. The phone number is 877-973-7425 if you want to be on the show. And you can always text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. And you can get all the latest details on the podcast and all, all that. So we got lots of links for you there. Just text Eric to 33777. Two pieces of audio, well, three pieces of audio I got to play for you because we do have to talk about the debt ceiling. I know we're all tired of it. We all want them to move on, but there are issues. You do need to know about the issues. I want to begin with <laughs> CNN poll. Our brand new poll conducted by SSRS shows that a majority of Americans, six in 10 Americans, want to raise the debt ceiling only if spending cuts are included as well. So this is the McCarthy point that he's been making all along. Remember, months ago, the White House was in this position of no negotiations. A majority of Americans say, no, you should reduce spending as well as raise the debt ceiling. 24% say raise the debt ceiling no matter what. Only 15% say do not raise it. Let the U.S. go into default. (laughs) Wait, you know, the CNN poll agrees with Kevin McCarthy's way. It turns out CNN's not the only poll that shows this, that, that people want spending cuts. Here's my friend, Congressman Chip Roy. But if the speaker does compromise with the president, you're not going to vote for that compromise package. Is that correct? Yeah, look, I don't like negotiating in the press. I don't like drawing red lines. Uh, speaker McCarthy has done a great job over the last several months uniting this conference. We're united for the American people. Uh, I think the bill that we passed is a good bill. I think we actually should go further. I think we should add HB2. We need to secure the border. Uh, but look, we'll sit down and talk to anybody so long as it's a responsible plan. But uh, I don't want to negotiate against ourselves. We've done our part of the job. Done our part of the job, and you've got the former Obama Treasury Secretary. That's right, the former Obama Treasury Secretary saying this. It's a bad thing if the rating agencies downgrade uh, the U.S. debt. It triggers some questions as to who can and can't invest in treasuries. And just in terms of the role of the United States and the U.S. economy in the world, it is an unforced error. It's something that we would have done to ourselves that our adversaries couldn't do to us. And I think it's just in the interest of of our strength in the world to avoid that, which is why I think it's good that the sides are talking, but they have to be careful and not to go across the line. Republicans can't think because this is so important that that will all of a sudden mean that Democrats can concede on issues that are just matters of real principle. Likewise, I think Democrats are going to have to accept levels of spending reduction you know, that, that might be challenging. The numbers that are in circulation are going to be much smaller than the House bill. They, ha- they can't have their eye on saving three and a half or four trillion dollars. I think the question is, what can they agree to in the next couple of years so that we don't end up with a crisis? They're going to have to cut spending, the Democrats. So that's that's from the Obama administration. Democrats are not happy about that talking point today, that they're going to have to uh, find some way to to make cuts with the Republicans. Where the Democrats and Republicans are today, negotiators are negotiating. And they are largely moving towards agreements to freeze future spending. 
But the question is on where to set the current line. Do we do an increase and hold it? Republicans don't want to do an increase. They essentially want to freeze things now. This is from Politico, and this is notable. Biden world believes the press corps is botching the coverage of the debt ceiling fight. White House officials groan that reporters are not framing the debate as one in which Republicans are using the debt ceiling and the possibility of economic catastrophe to force policy concessions. They're frustrated that the press corps isn't calling out House Speaker Kevin McCarthy for treating the idea that he'd stop the country from plunging into recession as some sort of compromise. They say reporters aren't making it clear that raising the debt limit does not equal authorizing new spending. Complaints about press coverage are nothing new, nor is the Biden White House an infrequent participant in the practice. Officials there have long taken issue with the media coverage, expressing frustration that reporters are overly invested in palace intrigue and horse race politics. But the coverage of the debt ceiling, those officials say, is a different breed, both because the stakes are so incredibly high and because, as they see it, the spin is so obvious. Back to you, CNN. Our brand new poll conducted by SSRS shows that a majority of Americans, six in 10 Americans, want to raise the debt ceiling only if spending cuts are included as well. So this is the McCarthy point that he's been making all along. The McCarthy point he's been making all along. Listen, uh, this White House has had this pattern of bellyaching about the press when it turns against them. I don't recall, and I know it happened, but I don't recall the Obama White House whining as much as the Biden White House. My gosh, on a daily basis, they've got MSNBC and the New York Times and all of them fluffing them up. And when it doesn't go their way once, they're like, it's not fair. It's not fair. They're being mean to me. Really? Dude, they've been covering for your mental incompetence since you started campaigning for president and you're upset that they're not going your way on the debt ceiling? They're not going your way on the debt ceiling because even members of the media understand you got to cut something. It is remarkable how these progressives show up regularly to essentially rough up the ref. And the ref tends to give them their way on everything. It's like Tom Brady complaining about the referees in a, in a game when he was on the Patriots. He kind of knew they were, they were on the side of the Patriots to begin with more often than not. To complain about it is ridiculous. I mean, what a bunch of wonders. This is like the, you know, the Trump team right now is, is they've confused whining and winning. You've got Doug Mastriano, you've got Kerry Lake, some of the biggest losers in American politics in the past couple of years coming out on, on Team Trump, all the losers supporting Trump, and they're whining instead of winning, and they claim that they're winning, but they're actually whining, and the Biden White House is doing the same thing on the debt ceiling. They are whining because the press, for the rare moment they're not covering for Joe Biden's mental decline, are actually noting that uh, the White House doesn't have a plan. They miscalculated. They bungled it. And so now they got to scream, get back in line. Get back on the talking points. It's hard to get on the talking points when the Democrats are fixated on this 14th Amendment option. That's not an option. I mean, we got Ezra Klein in the New York Times saying, guys, this isn't a thing. 
and they're mad at him for saying it's not a thing. And they're still like, we got to do the 14th Amendment. What is the 14th Amendment? Well, we're going to say it means the president now has the power of the purse. But does he? It's never been done before. Well, we've divined that it does. Why aren't you going along with us? By the way, the White House now thinks that uh, the Democrats may have to be called in to help Kevin McCarthy get something passed because uh, Matt Gates and others may block it. White House aides privately estimate they may need to deliver as many as 100 Democratic votes to ensure an eventual debt limit deal can pass. The informal projection is driven by lingering doubts among Biden officials over Kevin McCarthy's ability to convince the vast majority of Republicans to back a bipartisan agreement and the expectation that dozens of the GOP's most conservative members are poised to rebel. The realization that the party might need to supply a sizable percentage of the House votes to avert an economically disastrous default has increasingly shaped the White House's negotiating strategy. They've hardened their stance against GOP-proposed budget cuts and social welfare restrictions for fear of sparking a revolt. You got this? This is their counterspin, and they're using the press that they say isn't going along with them to advance this narrative that the Democrats are the ones who are going to have to raise the debt ceiling because the Republicans won't. The Republicans already raised the debt ceiling. The Republicans already raised the debt ceiling. Democrats have not yet voted to raise the debt ceiling. The idea that they're going to need Republican votes, or Democratic votes rather, because the Republicans won't go along with it, is nonsensical when you realize that the Republicans have already raised the debt ceiling. They've already done it. Why do Republicans... need to rely on Democrats in the House to raise the debt ceiling when Republicans already did it. And by the way, you've already got Democrats out there suggesting some sort of insurrection in the streets if they don't get their way. I mean, this is is literally happening. This is uh, Pramila Jayapal who's the leader of the progressives in the House of Representatives threatening street violence if anything gets cut. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. You know, I mean, I think that this is, it's important that we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the last two years. But if the president agrees to spending caps, or if he agrees to work requirements on certain social safety programs. It's going to be a problem. We do not legislate through the debt ceiling for this very reason. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's the progressives say, we're not going to do this. We're not going to go along this. The Republicans will. The Republicans already have. The problem is that this president and this administration bungled their calculus the whole way through, got every calculation wrong, strategized badly, and now they don't want to admit how badly they screwed up. So what they're doing is they're attacking the press and demanding the press fall back in line. They're going to have to cut something. And it's only starting to dawn on them how badly they themselves screwed up the negotiations. If the debt ceiling is not raised, 
our interest rates will go up, our credit rating will fall, and that'll be on the Democrats. Republicans, however bad you may hate the Republicans, however bad you may think they're holding the country hostage, however much you may think it is their fault, Republicans have raised the debt ceiling. It's Democrats who have refused to raise the debt ceiling. That is called truth, whether you like it or not. This is the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan, wherever you are nationwide. First Liberty can help your business grow. If you need access to $250,000 or more in capital for your business to buy a building, build a building, buy a franchise, expand a franchise, you name it, something like that, First Liberty might be able to help you. They're in Noonan, Georgia. I've known the Frost family for a long time. They've been helping small businesses become big businesses since the mid-90s. Don't let being in Noonan, Georgia deter you because they do business nationwide in the United States of America. They've helped people coast to coast. Reach out to them, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you, firstlibertyga.com. They make their own decisions. All right. Uh, Katrina has been waiting patiently. I want to go to her next. Welcome to the show. Hi, Eric. I was hoping you could speak to the presidential delegate process of voting. Um, recently, the county commissions were uh, county, not county commissions, the, the county GOPs were, and were taken over by very pro-Trump people. Are those delegates, voting delegates, legally bound to vote for whoever wins the presidential primary? Or are they just representative in nature and whoever wins the primary gets the delegates? They are representative in nature when they go. So uh, Republicans and Democrats have um, Democrats have more proportional voted states. Republicans, the early states, tend to be winner-take-all states. And uh, those states, you win, the delegates are pledged to that candidate, and you keep the delegate count. So when you go to the Republican convention, those delegates – are required then to vote for the person who the state voted for. Now, there have been attempts in the past to change this, to pressure delegates and the like, but it's it's not feasible just given the way the laws of the states work. Um, if the voters of your state, the Republican Party, vote for, uh, say, Nikki Haley, then your state's delegates will cast votes for Nikki Haley. And... Oftentimes, those uh, slates of people who go to the convention uh, will tend to be people already supportive of that candidate, um, so so you don't have any hanky-panky. It's not something anybody really has to be worried about. There have always been attempts, but it's just something that hasn't worked well because of the, the way the laws work and the way, frankly, the National Party works as well. When your Secretary of State certifies that primary presidential primary election and says this person gets these number of delegates— and it goes off to the RNC. The RNC adheres to it. Um, otherwise, they run into all sorts of problems as well. So it is. It's there. There is an effort. You do have to understand. In Georgia, in particular, we got a flat Earth lady now. Uh, she represents one of the the congressional districts. She's the the nutter who ran for governor. Uh, there, there's this big war in Georgia. Uh, the GOP versus the nuts, and uh, the nuts have taken over. The GOP, including this woman who this this video came out the other day of her in favor of like flat of believing that the world is flat. You know, we we should disabuse ourselves of the notion that only the left has lost its mind with this transgender stuff. You, you got people on the right who believe the world is flat. Uh, never mind. We've been in outer space. We can look back. It is round. And I know some people don't even believe that. Uh, but you can get in a very you can get an airplane and go very high and see the curve in the earth. 
Um, these people, they, they, it's not that they really believe it. It's, I think it's that they, they relish, uh, getting other people mad at them. Um, in the same way that there are a lot of people on the left who I really don't think believe boys can become girls, but because people on the right get so mad about it, uh, they've embraced it. And it is, it's a psychosis, mass psychosis on the left and the right of people defining themselves against each other. But this nut in the GOP now claims to be some sort of flat earth person. And this is who Republicans in Georgia want in charge, these sorts of people. Uh, there are lots of good people in the GOP in my state of Georgia, uh, but the inmates are starting to take over the asylum and parts of it. And they want to use those positions to try to steer the state towards Donald Trump, but it really isn't going to work for them if Trump doesn't win the nomination. Where it comes in handy for them is they can make a state winner take all so that if Trump wins the state, he gets all the delegates, even though he only won like with 40%. You have this mass plurality of people beneath him. So that will work. Speaking of Donald Trump, his team believes a federal indictment may be coming very soon from the Justice Department over the classified documents and possibly about January 6th, they have begun to request formal talks with Merrick Garland. There is a fundamental problem for Donald Trump moving forward, and that is that so many people dislike him, particularly in the media and among Democrats and governmental officials on the GOP, that the drip, drip, drip of indictment is probably about to begin, and most of his money will not be able to go to a ground game to turn out the vote, but will go to legal defense to stop him from going to jail. It's a fundamental flaw in the Trump campaign, and it's going to be interesting to see if his opponents in the GOP exploit it. We'll discuss it. Greetings. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Just a reminder tomorrow, uh, right at the beginning of the show, uh, 12 p.m. Eastern time, if you're listening live, Ron DeSantis will be joining me uh, by phone to talk about this launch of his presidential campaign. ABC News has this report out. The headline from ABC is fearing indictment is imminent in classified document probe. Trump team requests a meeting with the DOJ. They formally requested a meeting with Merrick Garland to make out their case for why the president should not be charged in the investigation related to his alleged mishandling of classified documents. The letter asks Garland for a meeting at his earliest convenience to discuss what attorneys describe as the quote-unquote ongoing injustice that is being perpetrated by special counsel Jack Smith and says no president has been baselessly investigated in such an unlawful fashion. Um, here's, here's the reality for everybody. Whether you like it or dislike it, whether you like Donald Trump or not, the bottom line reality is Donald Trump is a very polarizing figure. You all know he is a polarizing figure. And the problem for Donald Trump is more people dislike him than like him. Now, more people like Donald Trump than like Joe Biden these days. That's true. But Joe Biden is president and Donald Trump is not. And Joe Biden runs the Department of Justice and Donald Trump does not. And he's also made enemies in Georgia. 
And you have a district attorney in the state of Georgia in Fulton County who is preparing to indict people as soon as August. You now have, it appears, a criminal trial set for Donald Trump in uh, March of next year in New York regarding the Alvin Bragg case. Now, I'm dismissive of the Alvin Bragg case. I think it's garbage. But there's a drip, 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 drip. Now, the rumor in Washington is that Jack Smith is not just looking at the classified documents. He's looking at January 6th, and he's stringing all sorts of stuff together. I, I, I honestly, here's my guess. If I could prognosticate, my prognostication would be that uh, Donald Trump gets indicted and Donald Trump is found guilty because I don't think the man can really get a fair trial. He's so polarizing. And then it goes on appeal. I think it gets to the Supreme Court, and, and whatever Jack Smith comes up with gets thrown out because that's what happened with Bob McDonald. But it's an ordeal, and it's a process. And the problem for Donald Trump, it's a problem for a lot of his supporters. If Donald Trump tomorrow held a press conference and said goodbye, I'm done. I'm going away. A lot of this stuff goes away with him. You can disagree, and I do disagree with it. But the left, the media, the press, all of them together, combined, one entity, believe Donald Trump is a massive threat to democracy and is an authoritarian, and they're going to do everything they can to stop him. Now, they're torn. They are torn. Some of them want Donald Trump to become the Republican nominee so that they can they are convinced that if he's the nominee, Joe Biden gets reelected. The problem for them is that's what Hillary Clinton thought when she helped stack the deck for Trump. He became the nominee and she lost to him and to this day can't believe she lost to the guy. I mean, they still blame Russia. But the reality is Donald Trump is a force to be reckoned with. And if you wish to neutralize that force, you throw the book at him now. If he's not going to go away, if he's not going to stop on his own, you got to throw the book at him to stop him. And I think the Democrats are starting that they're starting to realize that. So they're going to go after him with Fannie Willis in, in Atlanta, Georgia. They're going to go after him with Jack Smith in Washington, D.C. They're going with him with that idiot in New York City. That case is a nothing burger. Trump, there's no way. I mean, a jury in New York City might find Donald Trump guilty, but there's no way that's going to get sustained. But he's got problems. And if he's got to go to court in March... Super Tuesdays in March for the GOP. It's when a lot of the states will be voting and Donald Trump will be in court more likely than not. And all of his money will be going to lawyers. See, the money Donald Trump raises can go to his legal fees. So campaigning for president, what Trump is actually doing is he's raising money not to run for president, but to pay his lawyers. And he could still win. He can get on the ballot. He's got 25% support guaranteed of the GOP. If enough people enter the race and divide, Donald Trump could get that to win. Remember, Donald Trump won the Republican nomination in 2016 with the lowest margin of votes cast for a Republican nominee since the modern primary era in 1976. Before 1976, a lot of it was backroom deals. In 1976, all the states started having primaries and caucuses. And when that happened, Ronald Reagan did very well, but Gerald Ford still got over 50% of the vote. 
The second worst performing nominee for the GOP was John McCain. John McCain got 46% of the vote in 2008 to be the GOP nominee. Donald Trump, I think, got 42%, 41 or 42%. He could get 41 or 42 percent and be the nominee if you got enough other candidates running against him. That is why when Tim Scott came out, Donald Trump welcomed him to the race. Didn't have anything critical to say about Tim Scott. Just welcome to the race. Good guy. Look forward to campaigning against him and that stupid Ron DeSanctimonious meatball guy. But you got to know, when you give Donald Trump money, you're giving him money to pay his lawyers. When you fund Donald Trump's campaign, you are funding his lawyers. And when you get to next year, if Donald Trump is the nominee, you're more likely to see him in a courtroom than on the campaign trail because the Democrats insist he's a threat and they're intent on stopping him. So this is this is for you, the voters of the GOP. You, you, you do have to understand this. You, you've you've got you to understand this is going on. You may not like it, Uh, It may bother you. You may think it's not fair, and I agree with you it's not fair. I think they're throwing the book at Donald Trump on this stuff because they feel like he's a threat, and I'm with you on this. I may not care for the man, but I think it's all a bunch of nonsense, but it's still nonsense you have to deal with. A buddy of mine the other day was saying, can a judge – actually, it was my son. My son was asking me the situation. He says, can a judge just look at a case and say, no way, I, I get rid of it? Very rarely. A judge has to have somebody make a motion. And when someone makes a motion, the other side gets to respond to the motion. And then there tends to be a response to the response. And then they get to have a hearing. And then the judge decides. But they go through a process. And that process takes time. And they're going to drag it out. And they're going to make it costly. And they're going to make it painful. Because they want to hurt him. They believe Donald Trump hurt the country, and so they want to hurt Donald Trump. There's no reason to dance around this. It's just true. They want to hurt Donald Trump. They're going to use prosecutors who are sympathetic to them to hurt Donald Trump. Now, you can look at this one of two ways. You can be emotional, and you can say, well, I stand by my man. Go stand by my man. We're going to Tammy Wynette it out. We're going to circle the wagons around him. We're going to stand by our man and go down in flames. Or you can be rational and say, huh, love the guy, but they are so invested against him. If we throw them a curveball and go with someone else, they've exerted all their energy against Trump. They're going to have to really shake things up and pivot real quick, and it may not be possible. We might be able to win with someone else. Instead of going to court and going to court and going to court and going to court and going to court. Because that's what you're going to do. I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's right. Even as I don't care for the guy. But it's the reality. 
So the Trump team is asking Merrick Garland for a meeting to lay out their case. I suspect there's a little bit of a bait and switch happening, though, where the Merrick Garland team is like, we're we're not actually going after classified documents. We're going after January 6th. And they won't pay back for that. So Trump's got to repivot his legal machine, pay different people, get new lawyers, cost him more money. They're going to bleed him dry what they want to do. So now you you as a voter, you've you got a response here. You can decide, do you stick with Donald Trump while they bleed him dry and deprive him of the money that he needs to run for president, or do you do you pivot? It, it, it's on you. Ultimately, this is a choice for the voters. And what we found lately, what we, we're seeing nationwide is that voters are responding more and more emotionally. It reminds me of a CNN poll from a couple of months ago where CNN asked voters, are, do you want someone who can win or someone who agrees with you? And the Republicans overwhelmingly wanted someone who agreed with them, not someone who could win. The Democrats wanted someone who could win. And we're seeing this play out, I think, in the polling right now, where every time something bad happens to Donald Trump, people circle the wagons around him. They give him money. They say, he's our guy. Stand by your man. Stand by your man going off a cliff, I guess. I mean, this is just a reality that Republicans have to deal with. It's something they're going to have to make up their mind on. Do you want to stand by your man, even if it costs you the presidency and gets Biden four more years? Or do you want to take a chance on a pivot? You got some great candidates out there. You know, I, I mentioned Haley and Scott and Pence and DeSantis earlier. I didn't even talk about it. You got Asa Hutchinson out there. I forget that guy's running. Vivek Ramaswamy is running. There's some Paul Johnson or somebody like that. Some business, rich businessman says he's running for the GOP nomination. Chris Sununo's looking. Chris Christie is looking. All of a sudden, you got all these people who are starting to look at running for the presidency. You got options. You can stand by your man to your detriment, or you got options to win. And you know, I'm not saying President Trump can't win in 2024. He really could win in 2024. The look at the economy. The problem is just bang for your buck. He's going to spend a lot of money on lawyers next year. Money that could be spent on I don't know, uh, collecting early absentee ballots that. He doesn't want to do to begin with all that money go to lawyers. Instead, it is totally up to you, Republicans, who you vote for. It is also up to you on whether or not you go to a big box store to buy a computer off the shelf that's already made and you can't change it. Or do you use a company like Vision Computer where you can customize a computer just for you, for your kid, for your family, for your business? If you've got to buy a bunch of computers for your business, and you got different employees with different skill sets, Vision can customize each one, or they can put them all together for you, they can get them to you, and then they can be your IT support. So Vision handles your tech support. Your employees need to figure out email, let Vision do it for you. They can't figure out their printer, Vision does it for you. For a low annual fee, if you don't have Vision Computer right now, they can become your tech support, and they can do it all for you. They can help you keep your business running. They can keep your household running. Your kid's got a project they need need a computer for. Vision can build you what you need and what you want, not what the big box store tells you you have to have. And if you call them and ask for the Eric Erickson special, they can really work you out a great deal. Vision Computers, visioncomputers.com, visioncomputers.com, or call them nationwide, 404-COMPUTE, 404-COMPUTE. Call Vision Computers. Let them be your in-house IT department. Have them build your computers, get you your computers, set your computers up for you, and keep your computers going for you so you don't have to worry about that. Less downtime, more business. VisionComputers.com, 404-COMPUTE. Have you guys heard about this crazy story? Uh, Shalene Rodriguez. 
She is a uh, New York City College professor. She cursed out anti-abortion students. Uh, a New York Post reporter asked her questions. She held a machete to the reporter's neck. Shalene Rodriguez spewed the menacing remarks that she was going to chop up a New York Post reporter when the Post knocked on the door of her Bronx apartment. A day after she made headlines for flipping out on pro-life students at Hunter College, get the F away from my door or I'm going to chop you up with this machete, the uh, manic adjunct art professor shouted from behind her closed door just moments after veteran reporter Reuven Finton identified himself. Seconds later, she barged out and alarmingly put the blade on the reporter's neck. My goodness. The Post reporter and photographer left the apartment building and armed Rodriguez quickly followed and accosted them. If I see you on this block one more effing time, I'm gonna... Yeah, then she started using more expl expletives. I believe that um, she has now been relieved of her duties. Yep, she won't be returning to teach. Uh, this happened after she unleashed... Uh, a profanity-laden attack on pro-life students who set up an information table at Hunter College earlier this month. A uh, woman is unhinged. I, inter, adjunct art history professor has crazy written all over it, doesn't it? Um, she accused the pro-lifers of triggering her students and dropped the F-bomb on them. I, I'm, I'm actually, I got to admit, kind of surprised that the college tossed her as opposed to promoting her after going after a uh, New York Post reporter and pro-life students, but I, I, I guess uh, too much bad publicity there. Goodness gracious, people are losing their minds. It and, you know, I, I got to just say, I, so I was having this conversation with a friend of mine earlier today, and I got an email or a text message from a listener yesterday. He's like, what do we do these people are coming for? So, you know, you still got to love your neighbor. There are so many people in this country who are just starved for kindness. And when you you got to acknowledge when you look at the left these are some angry people. And there's this pernicious view on the right that we need to behave exactly like them. We need to engage the way they engage, behave like they behave, do like they do. And I think no 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 no. You got to provide an alternative. If you're looking and acting just like the left, you're not providing an alternative, just more of the same, and people are going to reject you. If you're yelling at people about your issues as opposed to talking to them kindly, they're going to think you're either nuts or too mean, and they're not going to want on your side, and that's what the left is doing. I mean, it's the transgender people who are silencing others and bullying them and threatening them, it, putting, putting boys on girls' teams. There was an interview on Fox News this morning about a girl who's retiring from, I think it's mountain biking or something, that she's in a, in a women's team and she got uh, beaten by two trans women, two dudes who claim to be women, and she's like, I'm done. If I speak out about it, I'm going to lose all my sponsors, so I might as well quit because corporate America is so involved in this stuff. All you've got to do is be kind, smile, and not yell. People want that, and you can win the argument just by not acting like the left.